Elden Ring, Black Hole Rainbows, and Eyes Nonogram. This is staying in. Okay, Pete, uh, do you need a note? What kind of note? A fiver. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look at him, he's hard done by. If you pledge (laughs) £2 a month, I was thinking the way we're going to do this, Pete, is we'll take Mm. a word each back and forth. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, go on. Yeah, why not? Um, Do you want to start or shall I start? Uh... You can start. Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday, dear Sam. Happy <laughs> birthday to <laughs> you. And many more. <laughs> that was genuinely really entertaining. Next year, can you do syllable by syllable? <laughs> it's gonna be easier to edit than usual isn't it sam the funny thing is like we do we do two episodes a month right which means we mm. do 24 24 episodes a year which yep. means that four out of every every four out of every 24 episodes in a year is about a birthday double digits percentage of our episodes <laughs> end up singing happy birthday which i love there it's lovely Spread the spread the cheer, Sam. How was your birthday? It was it was absolutely sublime. I had a really 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 nice day. I'm currently off work. I was with my son, so he shared a lot of my birthday with me. Luckily, we're kind of into the same thing: soft play, um, chilling out, making trains, beer. So you know, he had, he had a blast whilst yeah. I was also having a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got some lovely gifts, lovely, lovely gifts. Um, some of them I opened in unusual places, but we will, <clears throat> we'll get to that. What did I, what did I get? Oh, I got a, um, a grinning gargoyle board game backpack. And this is something I've wanted for quite a while because usually when I go around to visit Chris or like, say we go on holiday as a family or whatever. I'm usually shoving board games into like, you know, one of those big blue Ikea bags mm-hmm. or like a bag for life or whatever. That's all well and good. Like it works fine, but like it's still a bit exposed to the elements. They're not really the easiest thing to ca- carry or or like shove anywhere. But this is like a full on, you know, proper covered bag um, that holds. I don't know how much it holds. I think it holds about eight or nine Ticket to rides worth yeah. board games. You look like a delivery driver. Yeah, uh, uh, that's that's what my father-in-law said. was basically I could do a side hustle now as a delivery driver. Somebody say. <laughs> now, while I fully support, Sam, every decision that you make in your life and every lovely thing that you enjoy, and I am never a person to shame someone for their hobby. Mm -hmm. I do remember you, I think it's all right for me to say, ripping the piss out of me (laughs) for for purchasing a case with which to transport models in. I remember having a conversation (laughs) with you where you said, why do you need a padded case? Why do you need a foam case to carry this around? And I think then you use some rude words afterwards. But what you're telling me, as far as I yeah. can tell, if, if I've, if I've yeah. understood you, is that you've mm. bought a carry case for your games. Well, I did buy it. Well, sorry, you've been purchased and are very excited to use a mm-hmm. case to carry board games which let us not forget come in their own cases yeah but yes yeah but he hasn't got like a bindle which he has like on a stick which he puts over his shoulder no i'm well aware what i'm saying is that there's a there's a there's a hypocrisy here which i'm like i'm liking to challenge (laughs) i love the fact that like you had that there as a prop as if like 
what, as soon as you found out what I got, that I got one of these bags, you're like, well, 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 the next podcast. I'll be discussing this with Sam on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, clearly he's got over it. When, when, when did Sam rip the piss out of you? It was about 12 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> So what else did you get? What was your what was uh, what was your favourite gift and why was it ours? The one that we got you. Jesus. Oh, I mean, we got him three things, Pete. Yeah, he got me three things, some lovely yeah. things. I had to explain to him, Pete, that it wasn't that we each got him one thing. Oh, you could have done. That yeah. would have made it fun because I could have guessed who got what. Um, you got me um, mm. a game from Helvetic, mm. and we're massive fans of of Helvetic on this show. Uh, Tucano. Mm-hmm. Which is a lovely little game, lovely little card game that I played with Chris on Sunday. Um, more on that later. Mm. And then um, I also got the Vision Collection, so Tom King's entire Vision run mm-hmm. uh, from Marvel, which I've been after for a long, long time because I was a really big, I was a real big Tom King fan after the stuff that he did with the Batman. Even though it definitely he took took him a while to to kind of hit his stride with that series but some of the stuff he did especially the joker and riddler stuff was exceptionally impressive and then the other thing he got me was professor was was layton's mystery journey colon catriel and the millionaire's conspiracy deluxe edition on the switch now i believe this was and i'm sure pete you'll correct me on this this is really a 3ds game i think it was yeah, I'd imagine because it's like the deluxe edition, it's been fancy pantsed, sort of pimped up for the for the Switch. Mm. And this is kind of like, um, I guess this harks back to a conversation we had the other week about the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, because mm. this was another series of games that I first played during the era of Sheepdog Trials in Scotland. Um, and another series that I kind of sheepishly picked up thinking, oh, this would be a light and breezy quick one and done puzzle game um one of the professor latons i can't remember which one i'm sure if i dug around i could refresh my memory but that kind of game of of picking up something having this sort of like studio ghibli-esque style um animation but then like doing these very traditional logic-esque puzzles you know, you like go into a shop and speak to a shopkeeper and it's like, ha ha ha, well, we're having a lovely day. Oh, isn't it a lovely day? Now solve my puzzles about bees. And you're like, oh, Christ. <laughs> and that was it. That was my birthday. And what a lovely birthday it was. And you were going to cap it all off, weren't you, Sam? On that Sunday. We had plans. I thought I'd take you out, I'd buy you some dinner. Yes. Well, not cap it all off. It would have been the start of a brilliant birthday oh yes it was the it was the uh it was the prefix yeah. yeah we had we had great plans pete you know not is not often that a new film about the batman called the batman yeah. comes out around one's birthday yeah so chris and i had plans great plans yeah as he said he was he was going to buy me dinner take me out oh the full shebang the full shebang so um i arrived at our designated pub of choice pretty close-ish to the to the luxury cinema, sent Chris a text saying, I'm here, just chilling out whenever you're ready. Got a text back from Chris saying, I've a, my car's broken down. Waiting for green flag. I was like, oh, okay. So I'll drive to you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) First mistake. (laughs) Yes. Because bearing in mind, bearing in mind, I've been in my car Literally about 10 minutes. So the heating hadn't even warmed up. And then suddenly it felt like the car ran out of petrol and I checked and it hadn't. But for all (laughs) intents and purposes, the car thought it had. And I just managed to, with that last ounce of energy, kind of just squeeze it into a car car parking space. So I wasn't blocking the road. But that was it. It was conked out completely. And uh, Sam very kindly came and waited with me. Um, I I rang I'd rung up the um, the breakdown company and they were like, okay, look, it's going to be like two hours, you know. Uh, I was like, right, okay. So we went to a pub in this village, uh, which frankly was nice, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was gorgeous. But like, obviously, 
the allotted time that we've been given by Green Flag was too much to actually think about going to see the Batman. So very mm. quickly we had to knock that one on the head. You know, people have been thinking for years, what is the one thing that can beat the Batman? You know, Joker, Riddler. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it turns out it's a broken fuel pump. What, so is, uh, is this a situation in which I've seen the Batman and you've not... I've seen a film and before everybody else? Yeah. Uh, oh. I, I've seen it. Oh. oh. Okay. I had Sam's blessing wow. to go and see it because uh, I did say to him, look, I, 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 w- I want to see it with you, buddy. Let's, let's see it on Friday. He said, oh, no, because I, I'd said I wanted to take my girlfriend to see it the day after because I, I have a rule that I see films with Sam first, you know, then afterwards. Because, <laughs> you know, I've never forgiven myself still. I didn't see Endgame with Sam for the first time. And I just think, oh, mm. that would have been such a, an amazing experience because Spider-Man No Way Home was like genuinely I'll never forget that experience yeah and, and just just think about me now on Friday night watching the Batman where it's just going to be Chris staring at me the whole time yeah, going, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh. so we got back to the car at, at nine o'clock in the evening what time did I get to you Chris probably about sort of half seven maybe yeah yeah like it was about that yeah 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 so nine o'clock in the evening no sign of this recovery person okay so yeah. Me and Chris thought that we'd just spend some time in my car. I, I'd just finished a book, Happy by Darren Brown. And I, was just, I brought it for Chris and just gave, passed it to him, lent it to him. And he went to go and put it back in his car. And then I opened up my birthday presents from all of you lot in the, the front seat of my, of my car. So, you know. Glorious. Nice little treat. Uh, we tried to work out if, we, if a Helvetic game was small and compact enough to play in the front seat of a um, Toyota. Yeah. And it's not. Oh. Not, not to Kanu anyway. And then another hour passed and we were like, ah, oh, okay. Um, and then another half an hour passed. It's like 10.30 at night. And by this time, Chris had exhausted all of the weird, funny stories from the Metro <laughs> oh, that, it's a, it's a rabbit hole, Pete. <laughs> it's incredible. Every time, when, anytime when Sam's driving on passenger seat, I do this thing where I go onto the Metro's news and just go into the weird category. <laughs> it's phenomenal. There was a bloke who does art on his on his living room rug with a vacuum cleaner. That was a good story. <laughs> is this is this is this the, the the famous Metro? Is this is this is this a specific like? Is this Liverpool or, or Manchester? No, no, no. It's just you know. The, the free newspaper you get on the train. Oh, my goodness me. And so, yeah, and we were just kind of giving up hope, really. And then the big tow truck arrives. Um, mm-hmm. Sam and this guy pushed my car into a place where we can get winched it up. But then we had to wait for Green Flag to authorise it being winched onto the back. Right. So Chris emptied all the stuff out of his car. And then um, it was all hands on deck to help push Chris's car into the right place so that the winching could occur if it was going to occur. So it's another sort of half an hour waiting for that winching to occur. And it's like, right, now, off to the garage. So we're like, okay, off to the garage. So another sort of 10, 15 minute drive, getting close to like quarter past 11 at this point. Finally got to the garage. Um, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> so it's me and the recovery guy pushing the, his car from the back. Chris, for whatever reason, decided not to get in the car, but was just pushing from his front door. And we and we had to turn into the garage. And I got to a point where it's like, Chris, it might be better off if you're actually in the car as we were heading just straight towards someone. Oh, no, it was really house. bad, Pete, because as I was turning, because the car wasn't on, as I was turning, my, my steering wheel locked and we were heading towards a wall. And I said, sorry, lads, you could actually have to get back to the front and push the car back. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> And this bloke, bless him, he, he he was really amiable, but he did say he travelled all the way from North Wales. Oh, to to help these these two idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and then so then we got back to Chris's house. God and sake. Chris, you know, made me a nice drink and we just like just yeah. to decompress from the situation and not to waste a and a really nice birthday eve. And just to say, like not seeing the Batman aside, like it genuinely was a really nice like, was lovely. three or four hours with a good friend like it was you know yeah, we weren't like sitting cool. there being like pissed off at the situation it's no, like no. oh I'm gutted I can't go and see the Batman it wasn't like the seven hours you spent with me Pete and A&E that's true yeah that that was a let's yeah let's 
Let's move on from there. <laughs> and then and then it was like just at the end of playing Tucano, I suddenly remembered <laughs> that in the pro <laughs> in the process of clearing out Chris's car so he could get winched, Chris had given me back my copy of Happy by Darren Brown. Mm. And when I went off to help Chris push the car to a winchable position, I'd put it on the ground and then forgotten to pick it back up again. <laughs> so somewhere just outside of where Chris lives, there's a copy of Happy by Darren Brown. And if anyone wants to pick that copy up for free, then Have it. it's available. <laughs> Have it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what an adventure. Oh, I forgot. One of the other things I did get for my birthday was a copy of Elden Ring. Oh, yes. Okay. The new hotness. It is the new hotness. Now, there's a lot of discourse going on online. <laughs> All of it dreadful. Um, yeah. Incredibly tedious. So, so yeah. what is... So, for those that don't know... <laughs> um, Elden Ring, as far as I understand it, is a Souls-like. So if you play Dark Souls or you play Demon Souls, it's a bit like that, is my understanding. Soulsborne-like, yeah. Soulsborne. Soulsborne game, yeah. Soulsborne game. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're talking difficult. We're talking unforgiving. We're talking a little bit janky here and there. But yeah. You use that jank to kind of try and defeat it. We're talking... Bad user experience. Yes. <laughs> Bad user interface. Tick, yes. tick, tick. Tick, tick, tickety, tick. Uh, we're talking very hardcore player base that absolutely loves it. Um, and also, yeah. it's my understanding is that it's got... Is it... Go, all right, okay. Brilliant. All right, Chris. He's either going to say one of two authors here. And what's great is one of them's dead. <laughs> Can't libel the dead. <laughs> so my understanding it was it was it was com- so it's obviously the person who does the the souls games is mm-hmm. is a huge yeah. part of elden ring and it's is it jrr martin <laughs> i mean oh who wrote those lord of the thrones books <laughs> that's that's better than i could have imagined <laughs> Game of Thrones, but you, the 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 Game of Thrones lad. Yeah, George R R Martin. George R R Martin. Yes, not not so um, not not a George with a J, a George with a G. George R R Lewis. <laughs> yeah, apparently he had some involvement with the story, but but how much involvement, no one actually really knows because it's a Soulsborne game, and they've never been the most. Story has never been present in their mind. Like there, there is a narrative, and things happen to you, and people say things at you, but it's never. Everything's done in this weird sort of. Everything's just the narrative is done in a weird sort of way, where it's all happening in media res. So right. with the understanding that you should already really know what's going on, and nothing is ever overtly explained. So what's what's the what's the core? experience on a moment to moment let's pretend i've not played a dark souls game let's pretend uh that i don't really know much about um game of thrones um what 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 is the actual like what are you doing on a day-to-day basis in the game like what you're actually doing day-to-day day-to-day you get up you go i'm gonna live in the elden ring universe what are you doing okay well so the basic premise of what i'd say is a Soulsborne game is that you are inhabiting this world, you have some sort of main sort of quest that you're you're heading towards. So say, for example, the original Dark Souls, where you've got to ring these three bells. Mm-hmm. You'll be fighting a myriad of, to be reductive about it, Lovecraftian-esque style creatures to reach that goal. And each time you kill a creature, you essentially accrue a sort of currency, which is souls in Dark Souls. I think it's Blood Echoes. In Bloodborne, and um, I don't know what it is in Sekiro, but in Elden Ring, it's runes okay. that you accrue. And then right. you can spend that resource to upgrade certain things, maybe buy spells, do lots of kind of things. But the twist here is, is that when you get killed, you lose everything that you're 
that you're carrying on you in terms of you lose all that resource that you've accrued. And the only way to get it back is to revisit the previous site where you got killed, collect it all, and then carry on. So there's so there's quite a lot of um, repetition and sort of very it feels kind of time loop esque. Well, are you were saying like you you lose all of that? Can you like bank it? Yeah. So if you if you visit a fireplace, yeah, or a, a place of grace as they're called in um, Elden Ring. Um, you can essentially that's where you like level up and you spend it but you can never like bank it and put it aside somewhere whenever you die you will always lose whatever you're carrying and there's no way that you can like right put stuff aside so you know you can go somewhere safe and the idea in in soulsborne's games is kind of you never know what's around the corner and it's very very difficult to really anticipate so i was playing elden ring last night and i got to a point where i got like i got two thousand souls i literally went around a corner and um made the mistake of doing something called traversing the mist which is when you kind of go into an area where you don't know what's on the other side of this mist and it turned out there was a boss and he killed me and then suddenly well i'm in a loop now because i either sacrificed the 2,000 runes that I've spent the last 30, 40 minutes collecting Mm. or I try and beat this boss. And, I mean, there's lots more besides that, but that's kind of what I think the core of the, you know, the Soulsborne game is like. But it makes it really, really challenging because at any point you could feel like you've lost a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of the thing about it you know that's kind of the the thing going into this game is that very early on you've got to learn how to be okay with losing quite a lot of quite a lot of progress and quite a lot of experience because essentially each death is a lesson that's the real currency of the game is each time you die you've got to take something forward and learn something about this world and how it works so that boss I was talking about before I think he was called something like Angry Pumpkin Head. And basically he was this massive guy with this massive mace, but he just had a steel pumpkin on his head. So I spent about 40 minutes fighting him. And most of that time, like half an hour, that was basically just learning how to fight him, like what to do to get around his attacks, which ones should I dodge and which ones should I sort of press on, what weapons should I be using, and more importantly, can I actually kill him? Because very early on, there's no like level scaling in Elden Ring. So you basically got to assess if you're the right level to kill something based off like how much damage you're doing and how much like like how big their life bar is. And that then you kind of gauge like, yeah, I can beat this guy. Yeah, it's gonna take a while, but yeah, yeah, I think I I think I can beat this guy, which is the other, you know, really enjoyable things about about those games is that feeling of I've just got to crack this puzzle and I know I can take this guy take this guy down. It's super super enjoyable. So that, so there there are a few things that Elden Ring has changed on the Soulsborne formula which some people have said makes it the most accessible and easy Souls game. But I I think I think the people who say that are people who've played like all six or however many there's been Soulsborne games and there's one thing that happens to you when you really like a series like Soulsborne is that you'll say anything to get anyone else to play a game yeah like this this is the so okay so like cards on the table I Mm. was one of those people who imported Demon's Souls on the PS3 back in the day right because I'm (laughs) about the whole thing right Um, and I played a, a few hours and I really, really enjoyed it. And then my PlayStation 3 died and I didn't go back to it because I because I was so annoyed about losing progress. And then I'd lost yeah. my entire save. Yeah. So I never went back. But I did enjoy what I played of it. But as a, as a bit of an outsider to the series, it does feel like... In, in the development of the game, they've made a lot of incorrect decisions, right? Traditionally incorrect decisions. So, for example, my understanding is that actually there's a tutorial section in the game and it's down a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. you could miss it. You could miss it. 
which is something that in traditional or sort of like modern, I should say, video game design thinking, that is unthought of, right? Like, like you should not do that. Like the whole point of training and a tutorial is to say to your players, okay, here's how you get a grasp on how the world works to some degree, how the mechanics that you, how you can actually interact with this title actually works. It's a space in which to learn, right? And the idea that you could just be like, nah, or not even know it's there is yeah. is like a faux pas in terms, of, in terms of things like user experience and stuff like that. But clearly, clearly there is an audience that loves that, right? Clearly like there is an audience that is just like, oh man, that's rude. that is great. Oh, oh yeah, love it. Um, and so to me as a bit of an outsider, it feels like a bit of an anomaly because there's always this feeling that I'm missing something, right? Like, I feel like I want to be playing Elden Ring. I feel like I mm. want to be part of that conversation. Happened with Sekiro, happens with the Dark Souls games. Like, I, I always feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not part of the conversation. But also, kind of related to that, I feel like I don't think I would like it. I don't think I would actually like to play 80 hours of that or however long it is, right? Like, so mm. what is it about it that, like, are you are you becoming a convert? Like, are you are you at the point where you're like, oh, yeah, like this is I totally get it and I totally understand. You really do have to play them to kind of understand them. Or are you in a place where it's like a curious, different kind of experience, and you're enjoying the novelty of it? I think there's a little bit of column A, column B. I mean, Bloodborne is in one of my top five games of all time, and I've never completed it, um, but. As an experience, I think it's incredible. I went to go, was it the Victorian Albert? Did they, um, I think back in like 2018, they did like a video game art exhibition. And as part of it, uh, Matt Lee's mate essentially wrote a spoken word piece about one of the first bosses you face in the Bloodborne. And, you know, I was nearly moved to tears by it. That's kind of what those games have the capacity to do. And it does it all through sort of non-traditional, I guess maybe you'd, maybe you'd say like Western storytelling means. And it's, for me, I think it's very, I find it very fulfilling as a player to experiment with things like attrition and frustration and exploration and have those things inform my journey going forward and that feeling of growth and becoming a better player and and actually learning about a world just through playing it rather mm. than having someone say this is what the world is this is how it works you do everything just by interacting with the enemies that you're that you're up against and like no other game series that i know of really really gets across that feeling of like of, of growth of maturity of of actually feeling like you're genuinely succeeding at something and there there is feels like visible and actual improvement as in mm. terms of like your skill set as mm. you go like there's no achievement that says right you're now you know, level thing and you've unlocked this or whatever. It's like everything is on you as a player, which is why I think like when people say, oh, it's really accessible, like I just don't believe them because it's like someone sitting down to play basic fantasy role-playing and all they're told is, right, you're a warrior, here's some dice, go. And it's like, you know, it's like the first time that we played basic fantasy yeah. and we were just like, you just think it's like super accessible, it's just an RPG. We walked in a room, we all got killed. I mean, that's basically... The, the thing the thing about Elden Ring that's really struck with me is how much like those early Gen 1 RPG games that it's actually it's actually like so that that that's exactly that's exactly what I get the impression of when you when you talk about mm -hmm. it I think to myself this feels like an OSR game like this feels this feels like like you know OD&D basically and like I I know what people mean when they say accessible because you know, as with OD and D, you could do anything. Like you know, the like it's very easy for a DM to turn around and say, 
well, it's easy. Just tell me what you want, want to do. But actually, and, and I personally find that really liberating and really freeing. That's why I really like that OD&D stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can also see why people might want a, a, a character sheet with everything that you can do on it, right? Like, I yeah. can totally see where somebody would want. Well, well, uh, I, 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 oh, but I can see on here I've got 20 points in climbing, so I'm going to use climbing, like, to, to do this, and then I roll a dice and then I win. Like, I can see how that's kind of accessible in some ways. Whereas, so, yeah, like, it just, it doesn't, Elden Ring doesn't strike me as, like, because I've heard that too. I've, I've heard that, like, oh, it's the most accessible one. And I'm like... Yeah, <laughs> but but like compared to what? Like yeah, exactly. I think I think compared to previous Souls games, it does do some things that I think make it more appealing. Like Dan got this for his birthday as well. I'm like bloody hell! Like I can't wait. Hopefully Dan's not listening to this. I don't think he does. But I, tur- I went onto a beach the other day and there was a giant crab, and I was like bloody hell! If if anything's going to get him to turn the game off immediately, is a sight yeah. of a giant crab. Our oh, mate is not a big fan of crabs, is he? No, he's not. No, he? he's not. Um. And I'm thinking what we might do is actually like co-op some of this when he finally gets around to starting this because obviously we both got Horizon Forbidden West and this at the same time practically and like I just don't I have no idea what to carry on playing I think I'm just gonna put my head down play Great Ace Attorney Chronicles and just see where perfect <laughs> see perfect. where the wind takes me because because that game I tell you is is quickly sneaking into my top 10 maybe even top five games it's it's superb so good um anyway and but there are things it does which are really accessible like so the minute you get out of that tutorial section basically you meet this guy called the tree sentinel who just takes you out with like one hit and you're just like great welcome to the game yeah and in previous Soulsborne games there's quite a strict linearity to them and which is which is quite frustrating but quite um rewarding in some way because you always feel like you're making progress mm. and how soulborn games generally worked in the past which is another thing that i really love about them is that their geography is impeccable so you'd basically go from like horrible horrible corridors to overcome some sort of obstacle and then find a shortcut back to where you started so essentially you learn this whole world and part of the game is not only learning where creatures are and how they behave, but also where all the shortcuts are in order to navigate the world. So after you've been in it for like 10, 15 hours, you suddenly know, you know, you just, you just feel like you've, you've inhabited this world for much longer because everything intertwines with everything else. It's like, right, I need to go over here now, which means I need to nip through here, down these stairs off and I'm away without consulting a map whatsoever, Mm. which is just, I, it's just impeccable design. It's incredible. Whereas here in Elden Ring, it's all open world. So there's no real sense of it being a tight sort of geography, but instead it's all explorable from the, from the get-go. So think like Breath of the Wild, for example. And that linearity it was rewarding because you always felt like you had some sort of yardstick in order to measure your progress right i'm a little bit further this evening i've got i've gotten to this point whereas before i started there yeah but i always found it really frustrating because it was kind of like i can only go in this direction this enemy is really tough it's just gonna yeah i just feel pointless doing it because i just you know i'm meant to be at this level i'm meant to be able to beat them and i'm not and that's frustrating however with this tree sentinel it's kind of like right, I can't beat this guy. So I'm turning around and I'm walking in another direction. And I literally just like pointed my character in another direction and just started walking. And just just to see what I come just to see what I come across. And it's and it's it's magical. It's just wonderful to be able to be like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. So I just went off into another direction. I'm literally just picking a point on the compass and walking and just seeing what I discover and seeing what I come across. And I think that's that's where some of that accessibility comes from hmm. is that you know when Dan starts playing this game I can tell him if you're frustrated just walk away and go go somewhere else and you'll come back there in a few hours and be like leveled up and you might have no problem getting past that difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um the other thing it does is that so traditionally if you die in a Soulsborne game you get um basically resurrected at the last sort of fireplace fireplace um 
what are they called? Bonfire. Bonfire that you ignited, which can be really annoying because usually that would involve something called like a boss run, which would effectively be you started at a bonfire, gone through all these enemies, got to a boss, boss has killed you in one hit, right, now I've got to go kill all those enemies again because everything other than significant bosses um, resurrects as well every time you rest or get resurrected from a bonfire so you've got to fight all those enemies again go back to the boss hopefully pick up all the souls you lost try and remember a bit about how that boss worked in terms of helping you fight them and some of these runs could be quite long like 10-15 minutes just to get back to a boss just to be killed instantly mm. and knowing that you've got to beat that boss to progress however here there's checkpoints before each significant boss so you can choose to either be resurrected at this checkpoint or at the last um, bonfire that you that you went to, meaning that it like cuts out that frustrating boss run experience. And then the third and final thing I can think off the top of my head that it does is if you're able to wipe out certain groups of similar enemies, it refills all your flasks that give you health and uh, magic points, meaning that you, there, there's an incentive to like stick with taking down certain groups of enemies, knowing that the flasks which give you health and which give you regenerate magic get refilled. Mm. So there's de you know there's definitely things that before when you get frustrated as a player, it's like right now I've got to go onto a guide and try and learn how bloody like weapon upgrades work, and you know oh you're using that weapon where you got to put you've got to put experience into dexterity or faith, or you've got to make sure you're level something in intelligence or else you can't even wield that weapon, you idiot. Mm. Whereas here, there's like immediately, you know, for anyone playing the game, there's three things I can say just off the bat which feel more natural and normal to like other game players who aren't familiar with this world. So I guess that make, that's the thing that kind of makes it a bit more accessible, but to actually really get the most from the game, you've got to do that digging. Like you've got to go through the menus, the mm. horrible, horrible menus and work out what, you know, attributes are and what everything means, you know, just like basic fantasy role-playing game, really. Mm. Pete, what are your thoughts on black holes? Ooh, well, um, I, I find them a little bit... Um, Here we go. A bit dense... But also a little bit empty. <laughs> well, we don't know if they're empty. The more you know. Well, there's no... Um, well, no. All we know is that no light escapes from a black hole, but that doesn't mean there's nothing in it. There's. It's a little bit of a... I don't know. Um, no, can't think of anything. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so black holes. I'm yeah. a fan. Okay, um, great. I, I think to myself, they seem interesting. They do. Um, I wouldn't want to get too close to one. And also the movie Event Horizon is named after the point at which you get so close to a black hole that you could never escape it. And that's what an Event Horizon is. There you go. Because theoretically time stops at that yeah. point. So that's everything I know about black holes. Um, okay. Well done. Is it, Thanks. It, do you have the same views on rainbows? Rainbows. <laughs> is there an event horizon to a rainbow? Yeah, that's for the pot of gold, isn't it? First of all, rainbows, <laughs> right? Rainbows, rain, rainbows have two very distinct associations in my mind. Okay. Okay. Three, actually. One, Zippy and Bungle. Two, um, the wonderful pride flag. And three, yeah. there was like a range of biros that had like, they, they were all like black ink, but they had like a rainbow colouring on like the nib holder bit. I don't know if you ever had one of them, but it was definitely a pen in the 80s. It was like a, it was like a, it's like a ballpoint pen in the 80s. Oh, and I it was, know what yes. you mean. Really struck me as like, really, really, like I, I really associate rainbows with those three things. Um, yeah, so I'm a, I'm a fan personally. I think... I think all three of those are absolute bangers. So, um, yeah, big fan. Wonderful. Uh, I've got a strange fact about rainbows. It's just, you know how you get those those facts that just bury their, 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 their way into your brain. They never shift. Yeah, my brain's full of them, yeah. So when you look at a rainbow, the only way you can see a rainbow is when you're looking at it at an angle of 42 degrees. Hmm. 
Also, you're only ever seeing half a rainbow. Exactly. And you can sing a rainbow, you can't sing a black hole. Yes, you can. There's that song by Muse. Oh, yeah. Oh, crap, I saw them live as well. Black Holes and Revelations. <laughs> yeah. J.R.R. Muse. <laughs> right, so the reason I'm talking about these things is that we yep. were sent a game to review yep. uh, oh, by okay. from, a, from a new company called June Dune. Got to be careful how I say that. June Dune. Okay. June Dune. Called, you've probably worked it out, mm. Black Hole Rainbows. Okay, okay. Oh. Now, okay. Um, these folks seem to have done, have done, and as in it is finished now, a Kickstarter for this, and it, it seems to have been successful. Yes. Uh, so, um, so, so that's good. So um, now it's up to you to tell us whether or not those Kickstarter fans have wasted their money, or whether or not it's actually any good, and they should be looking forward to it. So this is this is really interesting because usually when we hear. Well, for me personally, when I hear, okay, Kickstarter and mm-hmm. I designed this during lockdown, I'm like, all right, okay, what's this going to do? <laughs> um, yeah. And so um, this is, the, this is, this is, a, it's a, Sam and I were talking about this the other day because when Sam came around to play Tucano, um, um, I showed him the game and said, look at this, Sam. I, I pulled off the lid, this lovely black box with like this multicolored like edges around the sides of it um i've been watching arcane recently sam recommended it to me and i said to sam i yes. said this this series is better than it has every right to be okay it's an adaptation mm-hmm. from video game series that i associate with esports and they've made this phenomenal television series this yeah. game black hole rainbows when i lifted off the box and i said this this game is better than it has every right to be. And that's not to render it a disservice, but thinking back to what I was saying earlier about what you think about a stereotypical, what I think about a stereotypical Kickstarter game during lockdown, um, I was not expecting this. Uh, This is a two to six player game that is quite fast paced. It's quite frantic. And it's got a wonderful kind of tongue in cheek humor where the premise of the game is to to be the first to create a certain number of supernovas. And every time you create a supernova, you get not just like a flimsy little paper card, you get like a metal coin. And I've got this bag that's just full of these wonderful metal coins that that genuinely, Pete, look like they're legal tender in some kind of steampunk world. Okay. And that's just every time you get a point, you get one of those. And every player gets a a plastic bowl. It almost looks like a little dice tray. Uh, everyone get mm-hmm. every player gets one of these. This is your black hole, and on on it, on it, there's like it's segmented. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect these light stones. Once mm-hmm. you get six of a kind, you can cash them in to the out the out the outer areas of space, which is this um, neoprene mat. Because of course, there's also a neoprene mat which is in the centre where you just you jettison your stones there. You cash them in to create a supernova, and you get your coin. But these light stones aren't just flimsy bits of, you know, splintered bits of wood that were just on the shop floor and they've just sprayed them. These are, they look like they've just like landed on the planet, like like in a meteor sham. They're all brightly colored. There's there's one that's transparent. That's a wild. And you look into the bag, you, you draw them out of a bag when you're setting up the game. It just looks like you're looking into like, um, you know, a bowl of lucky charms, essentially. Hmm. I, I played this with my neighbor and his child and we all were like, oh gosh, we need to. We were resisting the temptation to just, you know, nibble on them because they look so <laughs> tantalizing. I can't quite explain it. You know what are they called? You know, in like a pick and mix, you get like, um, like the rock, not candy. Rock. You know what I mean? It looks like, um, it looks like the things you get in Lucky Charms, but you can actually get them as like pick and mix things, like rock right, candy. Right. I can't remember what you call it, but it's, or space candy or something. I can't remember. Maybe I'm just making up things here. And you may be thinking, okay, how does this game work? Right. Well. What happens is, on your go, you begin by rolling a dice. And it's one of those games, it's a fast-paced um, game where people are picking up and changing things. Those light stones you've got keep bouncing around the table. You roll a dice, that tells you, oh, am I taking one or two of my stones and passing them to the person to my left or my right? Or am I gaining a stone from the centre of the board? I then place however many light stones I want into my black hole from my hand. If I get... 
one of each color of seven. They then go into that the outer space and I get my supernova. Or what I could do is think, oh, I can't do that yet. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to roll the supernova roller, which is, I believe, a D20 dice. And there's three sides of it have a symbol on them. If you get that symbol, you immediately get a supernova coin. But every time you roll that dice, you have to cash in one of your stones. So it's a bit of a push your luck there. Yeah. Once you've hmm. done that, you take two light stones from the center thing and put them into your hand. What spices this game up and makes it frantic, makes it funny, makes it silly, is that you have cards that act as interrupters. And you can play those at any point, on your go and other people's mm. goes. Okay. Um, so, for example, one might be a chance where you roll the dice and you get to take just three rolls of the supernova for free and just see what you get. Uh, others will allow you to draw more cards. Others, which are like the mirror dimension, you can swap any or all of your light stone from one player's hand with different colours from outer space. Um, one I played, which you can only play once in the entire game, which is Doomsday, where you detonate every single person's black hole. So basically you tip out their black hole thing into the centre thing, so oh they might God. be one away um, from completing it. And it may sound like it's quite laborious, but this is actually a really fast fun paced kind of game and the cards themselves are these round discs it's like little coasters that you're playing with and there's enough novelty here and variety in them i mean there's probably about like i'd say 16 17 different card types but you're playing frantically you're drawing mm. up and we had an absolute blast with this game and i'm thinking it's a game i take to aircon and funny enough it as an as somebody who's been playing board games for a while I've played games that are quite similar to this, you know, cards that are interrupters, stuff that's bouncing around the table. And but I think for somebody new to the hobby, I think it's a it's a worthwhile investment. And I think genuinely what what as in addition to being great fun, what really adds to this is just the sheer quality of the components. I was gonna say, I was I'm looking at these I'm looking at images of the components here. And it looks it looks like they spent serious money putting this it's thing together. It's sublime. And they say mm. they say that they really wanted to make it something that felt good in the hands. A little bit like when we talked about A Gentle Rain, about the design and the materials yeah. there. And it really does work because you feel the weight of those coins. You want to touch those coins. You want to get them. You want to handle um, the light stones. But even even things like... even th- And I know this seems really uh, silly, but like even things like the iconography... And the, the so, for example, the iconography on the coins is just really nicely done. Yeah. Right. Like, like just the sim, sim the symbols that they've used seem like really well put together. It feels like I've I, I own this game in its base version, and I've gone online and I've I've bought components to pimp it up, and and yeah. also you can kind of go online um, at blackholerainbows.com and you can get like advanced versions of playing the game as well. And I am keeping it. I'm genuinely keeping this one because I think. Come Christmas time with groups of people, I think this would be a really good fun thing to play because it was so yeah. easy to pick up and play. Yeah. And we had a lot of fun doing it. It's been a while, genuinely, since I've had an experience quite like that. Actually, I've been thinking about value a lot recently. I've been thinking about like how do we define value like these are the sorts of interesting conversations and thoughts I have with in my own mind, right? Alex loves it. So, but but in, in my mind, <laughs> just sitting there in silence, just yeah. What is? What is? All right, he's having one of those again, is he? Um, <laughs> just turn the light off. See you in the morning. Throw throw a blanket over him. Yeah. Tuck me in like a canary. Just been thinking about value, darling. So, um, in my line of work that the the word get value gets chucked around a lot like like the idea is basically figure out what the most valuable thing is and and unfortunately it's used in a kind of like abstract way so that sometimes charlatans can pretend like they're talking about something real when really they're kind of using the word to kind of avoid talking about anything concrete but the th- yeah. one of the things that i think is most interesting when it comes to making games is is thinking about what what is valuable to a player. And I think value has a lot of different meanings, right? So it has like it has like monetary, but it also has things like utility. Um so I I was sort of I mean thinking about it a lot for some of the games that we make and um one of the things that um I also like to do is faff around on Reddit. 
And on the um, Android gaming <laughs> subreddit, somebody said, I've got yeah. five quid or whatever it was. Um, what game do I buy? I want to get the I, I want to get the most value out yeah, of yeah. this, yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I went and looked at what it was, and there was a few different recommendations in there. And one person said, "Well, look, most of the games on on Android are free to play, so the value here surely is is really a moot point because it's all free." And I and 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 I got thinking about it, but of course, value is also my time. Right, like, like there's yeah, a mix. Yeah. There's a mix of time, cost, utility, like a bunch of different things that kind of add up to when people say things like, "Oh, that's good value," right? So, so one of the recommendations for the games was a, a game called Eyes Nonogram, and it's from a company called GameFox oh. that is based out in South Korea. So, by nonogram, I take it it's just another word for. Pit cross. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah. absolutely love these. Yeah. So nonogram puzzles, too, yeah. P cross. Um I think most people I think we've talked about these before. I think did we talk about murder by numbers at one point? Yes, we did. We yes. do. It's yes. So it's incredible. Yeah. So but TLDR, uh, you have a ten by ten square grid or or higher, whatever it sometimes is. Bigger. Sometimes bigger, sometimes yeah. smaller. And the idea is that you need to fill in all of the lines to create a picture. Now, um, what does that mean? Well, basically, you have a pixel art image and you need to fill in the squares that provide essentially the outline of that image. And the only way that you know how to do that is that the there are numbers up the vertical uh, and the horizontal axis of the grid that say how many squares in that grid will be filled in. And in what order? So a 10 by 10 grid, for example, if you were to fill in Mm -hmm. all 10 squares, it would say 10. And you would fill all 10 10 things in. The, the, The puzzle is essentially taking the information of all of the 10 by 10 grid and figuring out through logic which parts of the grid to fill in. It's that nice level of puzzle for me where it's yeah. just tricky enough that it, it makes me actually sit and think about it, but it's not so tricky that I feel like an idiot. And that's what Eyes Nonogram is, right? And it's free to download, but uh, I bought the... I turned the ads off, um, which and it was like £3.50 or something like that. Yeah, it's like £3.56 or so, £3.60. Something. something like that. And which is expensive in terms of mobile, talk about value again, but but actually, in the grand scheme of things, not very expensive at all, right? Like, th- what's £3.50 going to get you on a PlayStation Store or a Switch, right? Not a lot. There's nothing deeply special about a nonogram game. There's nothing... No. Like, the, the, the thing about Murder by Numbers is that there's, there's a visual novel that surrounds it, right? The thing about... Um, Mario Picross is that Mario's in it. The actual puzzles themselves vary in l- levels of difficulty, but again, generally, it's never going to be particularly um, special in that way. In the, in the same way that, like, a Sudoku puzzle is probably not going to be particularly special in any way. It's not breaking the, the you know, you're never going to break the foundations and boundaries of what the Sudoku puzzle is. Same with, same with the nonogram. But the thing that, that that really grabbed me with this is, first of all, the presentation is immaculate. Like, it is, yeah, it is yeah. really well put Absolutely. together. So it's got this lovely sort of fantasy, uh, Korean-inspired fantasy art, and, and it's kind of like slightly softer edge stuff. The UX, the UI, is really, really quick to get into. The game fires up really, really fast. The game isn't mucking around, like, in terms of, like, it's not giving you loads and loads and loads and loads of repetitive stuff to get to get past, to get to the content that you actually want, to get to the utility that you actually want. And then when you actually get into the game itself, playing these nonogram games is a breeze. Like, it, the actual interacting with the game is really, really lovely. And the two things that really struck me about this is first of all, yeah, you can just play it free to play, and 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 you know, it'll, and, and you get ads and all that sort of stuff, and they're they're as intrusive as ads are, 
but you can just turn them off and then you don't have to worry about anything else. There's no nickel and diming, there's no gems, there's no, there's none of that sort of nonsense. Um, so when you pay to do that, you've now just got a really well put together, really well polished puzzle game on a mobile. There are over a thousand puzzles. Each of them is a really lovely level of difficulty. There's a bit of variation here and there, but they are, there is, they're just about doable by, by even a bozo like me, right? And that is really enjoyable because the second point I, I want to make is that the utility here is that, that everything I've talked about here, it doesn't make it out to be particularly special, but in some ways it is, it is the perfect mobile game. It is the perfect approach to making a mobile game. It's low barrier to entry. It's straightforward. It's highly well, like incredibly well produced. It's clearly made with a load of love and attention. And the puzzles themselves take four or five minutes. So I can do two or three of them while I'm, you know, waiting for the kettle to boil. Don't ask. Or... <laughs> or I can, you know, that that classic, you know, uh, portable gaming experience of on the bus, right? I can get through loads mm. of them and I'm having a great time doing it. But equally, I can finish doing it and go, that's enough for now. And I can walk away. And then I know that it's on my phone waiting for me when I next get bored and I'm stood around waiting for five minutes or wherever it is. And that that level of value has, I've really, I've really been thinking about how, how much I appreciate that and that that kind of value doesn't come from PC and console gaming. Have I ever told you two about the time my son and I met an old man on a walk? Mm -mm. No, no. What, what old man? Okay, so obviously I didn't. So I was out on a walk once with my son and we were just walking on the streets. He was in his buggy. I was pushing him. Not, not the other way around. No. Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> I wish. I wish. And we're walking past his house. And it's a house we've walked past a number of times. It wasn't like a mysterious house that appeared and then vanished again. But outside of it was this old man. He was painting the fence. And it was a lovely summer's day. And he turned to us as we walked towards him and sort of said, hello, how are you doing? And I, you know, politely said hello and just asked him how he was doing back. And he looked at my son and said, oh, beautiful boy you've got there. I was like, oh, thank you very much. And when was he born? I was like, um, a, a, a little taken aback. I think we all, like whenever anyone asks us for personal information, you know, we're all a little bit like, even even an old man on the street with a, tin of paint. I was like, oh, what are you going to do with this? What's your yeah. pen number? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought there's no harm in it. So so I told him my son's birthday and he just glanced away for a second and without any preamble he just went 1759 Battle of the Plains and Abraham. The British defeat the French near Quebec in the Seven Years War. And that was it. And I was like, yeah. Wow, that 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 was that was incredible. And then he turned to me. He went, "And oh, when's your birthday?" And I told him my birthday. And he looked away in the distance. And I went, "No, I've not got one for that." <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's another episode of the podcast. I was there. Sam. There was also Chris, and there was also Pete. Thank you so much. Um, for joining in and listening to this episode. If you've ever wanted to get in touch with us, send us a question, um, letting us know about a game um, or a film or a book or whatever that um, you've heard us talk about and you've also really enjoyed, then don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can reach out on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at StayingInPod. You can also send us an email, um, StayingInPodcast at gmail.com. And all of those details are on our website, stayinginpodcast.com, if you've missed anything that I've just said. As usual, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you along with us for this crazy, crazy ride. I do hope that you're staying safe out there and that um, you're doing all the best that you can to kind of just keep your head above water um, amidst everything that's going on. The one thing that we aim for this show is to really be a respite 
um, and really be a break away from anything else that's happening in the world. So it's a, it's a real pleasure for us to know that you've decided to join us for an hour or more just to get away from everything for a while. So I really hope you enjoyed your time with us. Please do say hello to us on Twitter, um, on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere. And until next time, be well. Bye-bye. <laughs>